This is Robert Peters, just a grumpy old podcast listener, and you're listening to Mysterious Circumstances. Probably going to be another shitty episode, but at my age, I got nothing better to do. So sit back and enjoy, or not. Who the hell really cares? Now, if you'll excuse me, the damn neighbor kids are playing in the yard again. Time for the hose. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, what you just heard was good old Robert's introduction right there. Uh, I have done this new thing where anybody is allowed to introduce the show. They can put their own little spin on it if they want. I figured that would be a cool little thing to do for the people who don't feel comfortable co-hosting an episode with me. And, of course, Robert, for all of you who are in the group, everybody knows Robert's pretty, pretty unique individual. Not in a bad way. He's a very cool dude, so... That was uh, pretty cool. Thanks, Robert, for introducing the show. Uh, I'm putting out this little bonus episode just as something fun that I like to do every now and then to get geared up for the for the big episode that'll be this weekend. As it always fucking happens, every time I release a reviews episode, I usually get like a shitload of fucking reviews right after that. So... I do have a couple reviews to read real quick before we do this little bonus episode, so just bear with me here. This one is from Tony the Mechanic, and it is five stars, says love it. says Justin does a great job of making every story he covers interesting. This is a really fun show. show covers many topics, which I also like. Keep up the great work. And this is from Jerry and Tracy from Hillbilly Horror Stories. Now, for those of you who don't know... Hillbilly Horror Stories, the podcast. I fucking love that podcast. It is so awesome. First of all, because I'm a super freak about the paranormal. I love all kinds of horror stories and shit like that. And Jerry and Tracy. Jerry does a fucking great job with his research. He knows his shit. He tells a great story. And Tracy, I fucking love you. You are fucking hilarious, dear. And I cannot wait to do this upcoming episode with you. And for those of you who do not know, which is pretty much everybody who doesn't know, uh, I will actually be teaming up with Hillbilly Horror Stories uh, here in the next month or so, um, anywhere from a couple weeks to a month. We're going to do an episode together. It will be uh, on their their podcast. It is a, it is a story that I have previously covered. But uh, I am so fucking excited to do it. This is going to be a great, great thing. It's going to be really, really cool. So um, I will definitely be posting that to the Facebook page in the group when it does get released. But, dude, Tracy, Jerry, I fucking love you guys. I cannot wait to uh, team up and do this episode. And thank you so much for that review. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Next one is five stars from SGZ something something, A-K-A-K. I don't know says, unbelievably on point. Uh, love everything about this podcast. Justin and his co-hosts are right to the point. And yeah, we usually try to get right to the point. We don't fuck around. Uh, we don't need any of that flash in the pan fucking bullshit. You know, sound effects and music and shit. You want some entertainment? Go watch fucking TMZ or some shit. We don't fucking need all that. Thank you very much, SGZ. I appreciate that. Next one is from A Futurist, and this is five stars, and I have to make it a point to read this shit because it's very fucking true. Uh, it says, actually, a great podcast, actually. Okay. 
Justin started or uh, just started binging on the podcast. Well researched, and I love Justin's conversational tone. My only complaints: the commercials are quite abrupt, and uh, while drinking games may seem fun, do not take a shot every time Justin says "actually." If you one want to make it through an episode, and two, if you value your liver. A futurist, I could not agree with you more, and I am really going to, I know I've said it before, I was going to try to work on it, obviously it didn't fucking work, I'm going to try to, try to work on that a little bit more, or even edit some of those out, I apologize, once I start getting into the flow, I really don't realize what I'm saying, so I apologize about that, but thank you very, very much for the five stars, you know, I, I greatly appreciate it, and I definitely Definitely will take that into account. Next one is from Timmy Dimples, who actually just, uh, and there he just said it. I just said it right there. Timmy Dimples, who in all actuality just reviewed uh, American Crime Cast, which I am co host of. Uh, I've obviously I've been pretty busy, haven't been on there here lately, but he gave me five stars along with American Crime Cast, so I appreciate that, Timmy. Says, uh, Five-star recommendation, True Crime Talk. Recently found this show, like it from the beginning. Feels like chatting with a buddy over a beer. Uh, Enjoy longer shows at a slower pace, especially while working or driving. Uh, He gives the whole story lots of details, follows up with no-holds-barred opinions and theories. Like the compassion and respect for victims and families. Uh, If you're a true, true crime fan, add this to your weekly lineup. And thank you very much, Timmy. I I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Thank you for reviewing both podcasts that I am a part of. And speaking of podcasts, uh, me and Shane have recently released uh, The Psychic Sleuth. Uh, Go check that out. Uh, Subscribe. Check it out. Let let us know what you think. You know, if you're going to totally fucking bash us, I don't want to hear about it. There's a lot of skeptics out there, but it is a very interesting take on true crime and... You know, it's, I think it's really, really cool. So check it out. We also have a new podcast coming out called uh, Hometown History. We're actually going to be recording. I just said actually again right there. Shit. Uh, we're, we are going to be recording the first episode, I believe, tomorrow. I will not be involved. I have to work because I am a slave for the man. But Shane will be there, and it's going to be a really, really cool episode. But here in the next month, we should be... Should be cutting that one out to you folks. I'm sure you like it. Next one is from Faith Reeves. Five stars. Uh, just what I was looking for. Just as many have said before, finally I have found an unsolved crime podcast that isn't boring, annoying, or too much like a news broadcast. Faith Reeves, I don't know who you are or where you are from, but anytime that I ever meet you, your drinks are on me. I can guarantee that shit right now. That was a very good review. Thank you very much. I pride myself on not being like the others. Because normal and being like everybody else fucking sucks and it's boring. Nobody wants that shit. So I'm pretty sure that would wrap up the reviews. I would like to say thank you to Vicky who sent me a very lengthy email uh, about how I am not monotone and she thinks my voice is sexy. I don't agree with that and I'm pretty sure she was hitting on me via email, but 
I'm okay with that. Thank you very much, Vicky. Um, you did send a very nice email, and I appreciate that a lot. I really do. I I personally read all the emails. I respond to all the emails. And to be perfectly honest with you, I get I get a lot of emails and and all that good stuff. I would also like to say thank you to Alyssa for stopping by the Facebook page, reviewing that, giving me five stars. She said she loves the podcast. I do an awesome job of uh, telling it how it is. Five stars all the way. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Will Whitehead reviewed me on Facebook. Thank you very much for that. I, uh, you know, I can't thank it, all of you enough for stopping by and just letting me know. You know, I'm a good storyteller and and all that good stuff. I do apologize about the advertisements. You know, it is what it is. When I agreed to bring this podcast back, that was part of the deals. I try to slip them in where I can. I have no control over what the advertisements are. I just have control over where I put them in. Uh, sometimes I'm not the best at it, so I apologize. It's uh, I'm not very good with technology, contrary to what some of you might believe. Aaron McDonald came back and reviewed the podcast again on the Facebook page. Aaron, uh, good to talk to you again, man. I hope everything's going good for you. Thanks for re-reviewing, dude. Uh, next one's Ashley Gibbons. I appreciate that. It says, this is my absolute favorite podcast to listen to. And I can tell you right now, Ashley, you do not have to butter my bread, okay? You can tell me I'm in your top 10 or your top fucking 50, and I'm gonna still get the same joy out of that. So I appreciate you leaving that review. Thank you very, very much. Next one is from Marita. She didn't really leave. Uh, she left me five stars. Didn't really say much, but thank you, Marita. I appreciate you stopping by. Next one is from Jerry. Jerry, thank you very much for stopping by the uh, Facebook page, leaving that review, dude. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now, I can't thank everybody enough who takes the time out and you know, stops by and, and takes the time out to review everything. It really means a lot to me. You guys have no idea. It keeps me going. It really does. Thank you very much. Now, since Robert introduced the show, I would like to say that, Robert, this episode is for you. You're always bugging me because I have a fascination with the mafia, okay? So, Robert's always want me to do... You know, you, hey man, do another one, do do another mob episode where there's only so many unsolved crimes that are directly people in the mob. Now, granted, there is a shitload, but obviously, there's not too much to go on. So, what I am going to do for you, Robert, is I'm going to give you an episode. This is actually ten of the deadliest hitmen that you've probably never heard of. And obviously, for those of you regular listeners and long-time listeners, uh, besides my troll, uh, Dirt Girl 88 who has no fucking clue what she's talking about and was literally probably a little troll, uh, I pretty much try not to concentrate on cases that have been done before in the past. I gotta do this one because it's pretty badass, so... This list actually comes from the website Listverse. It was written by Christian Cipollini on June 7th, 2014. I did not do any research. This is just a little fun bonus small episode, so here we go. 
Most of us have heard of the horrific tales of hired guns like Richard the Iceman Kuklinski and Sammy the Bull Gravano. However, history has provided us with a slew of bloodthirsty evildoers who have slipped through the cracks. Here are 10 of the most prolific, unusual, and sometimes unassuming contract killers the last century has produced. Number 10. Chester Wheeler Campbell Campbell was an anomaly among the ranks of uh, history's hired guns. And that's just to say the least. He worked for both the urban drug lords and the Italian mafia in Detroit in the 1970s and 80s. He was like the James Bond of hitmen, with more surveillance equipment than most police had at the time, not to mention an arsenal that any assassin would probably envy. A master manipulator, Chester was able to get others to do much of the dirty work for him. He was also a ladies' man. Campbell's main squeeze was, ironically enough, a funeral home director. How many people did he kill? Nobody is really sure, but his revealing notebooks kept tabs on at least 10 unsolved murders and the intimate comings and goings of virtually every cop, crook, judge, and prosecutor in the Motown and beyond. This guy scared the devil out of everyone once they realized the power of information that he had, um, and it was all contained within dozens of handwritten notebooks and photo albums. Even after incarceration, Chester uh, tormented his law enforcement enemies with years of endless legal motions and lawsuits. That's pretty badass. Alright, next one is uh, number 9, Harry the Hook Ailman. The Chicago outfit has had its share of tough guy enforcers dating back to the Capone era. Now, during the 1970s, the mob relied on Harry Ailman, who earned his nickname the Hook, from boxing as a young man. He liked to shoot people, often had his weapons fitted with silencers that he would carry um, out the job in public if necessary. The authorities tallied up at least 13 hits in the first half of the 1970s, but it was difficult to get a conviction for the Hook's evil doing. Um, even the eyewitness accounts thrown at him, the Hook was able to avoid all serious prison time. Now eventually, as it usually is the case, uh, the past came back to haunt the hitman. He was convicted in 1997, and the case was pretty big news uh, because it was the first time somebody was convicted after being acquitted. Elman got 100 to 300 years in prison and eventually died of cancer in 2011. Next one is number 8, Wayne Silk Perry. Washington, D.C. was hit hard with crack cocaine by the late 1980s. Just like many major metropolitan areas, the man responsible for the lot of that dope influx was Alberto Alpo Martinez. To successfully maintain such a high-rolling status, the drug lord needs muscle. Martinez found it in Wayne Perry. This guy had absolutely no qualms about killing people. Silk and his team of killers carry out, carried out enforcement for the Martinez organization for years. It all, it all came to a head when their boss got collared and uh, gave up Silk in exchange for a lighter sentence. On the street, Perry was said to be directly involved 
in the in a multitude of hits but it only takes one to put you away now by 1992 the house of cards had come crumbling down and alpo's testimony and police investigations credited perry with at least five murders per putting the hired gun away for life next one is number seven which is uh george ayala uh, George was an efficient and reliable killing machine employed by bad g girl Griselda Blanco uh, during the Miami Coke Wars. Authorities figured George was the main man behind at least 35 drug-related murders in the 1980s, but as usual, it only took one to put him away. In the end, George actually pled guilty to three murders. The hope of ever... Uh, Seeing the outside world again was a fleeting dream for sure, but he caught a break when he was given the possibility of parole. While trying to convince an appeal court that he had uh, been given a handshake deal in 1993, which he believed would be honored to earn him parole, it came to light that he had been engaged in phone sex with secretaries from the state attorney's office on multiple occasions. This did not help his cause. Recently, however, the confessed killer asked for redemption yet again, and his legal team is currently working to secure it. Next on the list is number six, Joseph Meldish. With an innate skill for making people afraid to talk, Meldish worked the mob's contract hit racket for two decades without much interference. A member of the Bronx branch of the infamous Purple Gang, Meldish began his murderous education at about the age of 18, and he soon graduated with a degree in cold steel. He was so good that he was often employed by New York's Lucchese and Genovese mafia crime families. The once untouchable killer had been implicated in at least 40 murders since the 1970s. Now, in 2011, at the age of 55, his knack for staying under the radar went up in smoke, and he was at, finally convicted. His brother Michael, who was also tied to the mob, got a bullet to the head while sitting in his car on a Bronx street in 2013. Next on the list, number five, Harry Pittsburgh Phil Strauss. Now, for those of you who have listened to my Abe Kid Twist Relis episode, will recognize the name Pittsburgh Phil Strauss. And uh, while there is still some debate over who was truly the nastiest killer in the infamous Murder, Inc. of the 1930s, suffice it to say Harry Strauss was top tier for his unapologetic bloodlust. As Pep, as some called him, could garrote and ice pick a mark to death and casually enjoy a lobster dinner right after, all while joking about the hit with his murderous brethren. When the law finally figured out that this guy's, uh, that these guys had been killing the mob's enemies for about a decade, they went into full-on conviction mode. Phil tried unsuccessfully, unsuccessfully to turn government witness, and with that didn't work, he pulled the insanity card. Unfortunately, the court wasn't buying a sudden disheveled look, unruly beard and courtroom mumblings and by 1942 many of the murder ink boys had been convicted and some had already been zapped in the chair pittsburgh phil and his co-defendant martin bugsy goldstein were among them all right number four irving big ganji cohen the nefarious murder ink killers had a vast reservoir 
of willing employees. Although Irving Cohen was not considered a top-level guy within the ranks of this group, his contribution to Hitman history was unusual to say the least. A small hood of ice pick wielding murder, uh, Big Ganji Cohen was also a bit part Hollywood actor. Now in 1937, the bosses decided that a gangster named Walter Sage needed to be whacked. Well, the best way to convince Sage uh, to go for a ride willingly was to have his trusted friend Irving Cohen do the luring. Once Sage was in the car, Cohen reportedly sat behind his friend and drove an ice pick into Sage's brain. Now, fearing for his own safety, Cohen ran from the scene and conveniently made himself very scarce. His skill with an ice pick, however, was only matched by his lack of skill at staying out of sight. Cohen soon took a bit part in a movie production. Police in Los Angeles promptly nabbed him, and he was uh, carted back to New York. Now, although he was ultimately acquitted in the trial, it wasn't without courtroom drama, particularly Cohen's uncontrollable weeping sessions. Oh, number three was next is uh, Jose Manuel Martinez. Another of the more contemporary contract killers, Jose Martinez, was recently charged with killing nine people. The kicker is that the California-based killer told authorities he's actually whacked 40 people over the years, mostly for Mexican drug cartels, from 1980 up until his capture in 2014. Martinez enforced Central California's drug trade with cold-blooded skill. Martinez doesn't fit the profile of a typical hitman. By all appearances, he could be anybody's grandfather or just a lonely old man. Authorities in California consider him a credible suspect in a series of murders that include the shooting of a man in his car and another man in his bed while his four children were still in the home. And as any reliable hitman is expected to do, he refuses to breathe a word revealing which cartel his orders came from. Next one on the list, number two, Harry Happy Mayoni. Legend has it that uh, Harry Mayoni earned the nickname Happy as an ironic jab at the eternal scowl that forever lived on his face. Mayoni was yet another of the 30 or so killers for hire in the Murder Inc. ring, uh, but he was widely considered the Italian liaison for the mostly Jewish and Italian mixture of killers ranking in one of the largest paychecks in the whole group. While it was hard for prosecutors to sort out which gangster killed which victim, because there were often two or three of the perps present at each hit, Mayone was thought to have personally committed at least 12 murders since 1931. Now, Mayone was credited with and sent to the electric chair for the 1937 murder of George Rudnick. Uh, who had been stabbed 63 times with an ice pick by Pittsburgh Phil. Now, Happy's role wasn't finishing the job by, or his his role was actually finishing the job by burying a meat cleaver in the guy's skull. Uh, because prosecutors were, were able to convict these guys in pairs, Mayon didn't die alone. His partner, Frank the Dasher Abandando, exhaled his last breath right beside him. And number one on the list. Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. Bugsy Siegel, the dapper and temperamental pal of such iconic mobsters as Lucky Luciano and Meyer Lansky, was actually a very prolific gunman himself. Now, while it is unusual for a top mob, mob boss to uh, ever carry out a dirty deed himself, 
Bugsy was that rare example. Long before the days of the Flamingo Hotel, Siegel personally carried out assaults and murders for, at first, the Bug and Meyer mob, then the National Crime Syndicate after that. Of his many crimes, he allegedly took part in the bloody hit on the Luciano's enemies Joe the Boss Mazzaria and uh, Salvatore Maranzano in 1931. Along with Louis Lepke Buckalter, uh, he can also likely be credited with the early formation of perhaps the most barbaric and infamous murder squab the mob has ever created, Murder Inc. He also helped lead the Jewish mobster consortium into an unified mob empire with the Italian faction, which was led by Lucky Luciano. The bug was a victim of a contract hit himself in 1947 while he read the LA Times in his girlfriend's California home. The murder was never solved. And that murder just might be one of my upcoming episodes. So, I hope you enjoyed this nice little short episode of the 10 deadliest hitmen you've never heard of, except for Bugsy. I've actually heard of most of these people, but I'm sure some of you have not. With that being said, until I release a big episode here in the next 48 hours, I will see all you fine folks on the flip side.